Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. Just got our copy in the mail yesterday, and it's terrific. Uh, You'll find my ad in there as well. We've got terrific guests for today's show, including Andrew Joppa. He's professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We'll really look forward to our conversation with Andy about the events in the past week. We'll also visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books. His latest is uh, How Everything Happened, Including Us. Terrific read. Also, he wrote uh, several books about climate change, uh, Scared Witless, The Prophets and Prophets of Climate Doom uh, by Professor Larry Bell. It is January the 13th, and on this day in 1128, uh, Pope Aranius II granted a papal sac- sanction to the military order known as the Knights Templar, declaring it to be the Army of God. Things didn't well, uh, end well for the Knights Templar. We'll find out about that. Led by Frenchman Hughes de Payens, the Knights Templar organization was founded in 1118. Its self-imposed mission was to protect Christian pilgrims on their way to and from the Holy Lands during the Crusades, a series of military expeditions aimed at defeating Muslims in Palestine. For a while, the Templars had only nine members, mostly due to their rigid rules. In addition to having a noble birth, the knights were required to take strict vows of poverty, obedience, and chastity. In 1128, New promotional efforts convinced many more noblemen to join the order, gradually increasing its size and influence. By the time the Crusades ended unsuccessfully in the early 14th century, the order had grown extremely wealthy, (laughs) so ironic, provoking the jealousy of both religious and secular powers. In 1307, Philip King IV of France and Pope Pope Clement V combined to take down the Knights Templar, arresting the Grand Master, on charges of heresy, sacrilege, and Satanism, and under, and under torture, Molay and other leading Templars confessed and were eventually burned at the stake. Clement dissolved the Templars in 1312. The modern-day Catholic Church has admitted that the persecution of the Knights was unjustified and claimed that Pope Clement was pressured by secular rulers to dissolve the order. Over the centuries, myths and legends about the Templars have grown, including the belief that they may have discovered the holy relics on the Mount, Temple Mount, including the Holy Grail, the Ark of the Covenant, or parts of the cross from Christ's crucifixion. Uh, yeah, of course, we've read the Da Vinci Code and other blockbuster movies, but irrespective, this really happened. It's another example of how uh, are we seeing the persecution of uh, Trump supporters right now, certainly not burned at the stake, but clearly trying to uh, c- cancel uh, Trump supporters. History does repeat itself. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 239 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Collier County on Tuesday. Collier's moving seven-day average for new cases is 202 through Monday, about 71% greater than the average on December the 1st. So uh, cases are up for sure, and uh, the, I think high was on January the uh, July the 13th was about 231 cases. Tuesday, there were 111 COVID patients in Collier County hospitals, so that's up as well, but certainly well below capacity. The county had about 11.9% of its hospital beds available and 22.4% of its adult ICU beds available, so certainly nothing for, uh, uh, close to the breaking point for the health care system here in Collier County. Also, good news, 88% of students since the start of coronavirus pandemic are slated to return to Collier County Schools this week, students will reach the number as more than 650 coronavirus cases have been reported on Collier County campuses since students and faculty returned on August the 31st. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? But it's that's over. Collier County School District serves about 43,500 students in 51 traditional public schools and alternative school programs. So on average, uh, not so many cases. 
and uh, no report on how many have been hospitalized. And uh, several of those, of course, are teachers, but uh, irrespective, uh, I think it's great to see uh, the program the Cuyahoga County School System put in place. I've been a critic of the Cuyahoga County School System for uh, several years, but I think they made a good decision in giving parents choice in how they wanted to handle the pandemic and having the schools open. And it's great to see most of the students, 88% coming back uh, this week. Well, bolstered by support from deputy, uh, his deputy, Mike Pence, who opposed ousting the president, Donald Trump denied responsibility Tuesday for an assault on Congress by his supporters, but he now faces an all but certain second impeachment effort. That's going to start today with Republican back, uh, backing for Trump eroding in the final days of the presidency. Pence served as an anchor, ruling out calls by Democrats to invoke the 25th Amendment in order to remove the president from office as unfit to serve out his remaining days of term. You know, you know, we're talking about a week here. What are they doing? I don't believe such a, such a course of action is the best interest of our nation, Pence wrote in a letter to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Well, with the effort dead, Pelosi quickly announced her managers to her managers for impeachment uh, debate, the strongest signal yet that she's going ahead with the move to make Trump the first president in U.S. history to be impeached for the second time. What are they afraid of? An impeachment vote in the House of Representatives is expected today. The single charge of incitement of insurrection over his January 6th speech when he claimed he was the real winner of the November election and urged the supporters to uh, go to Congress. Uh, earlier, Trump uh, traveled to the Alamo, and although he uh, urged peace and calm during a visit in the uh, U.S.-Mexico border wall, his overall message was, was of steadfast resistance the crowd attacked the Capitol, fighting with police, ransacking office, and briefly, briefly forcing terrified lawmakers and Pence to abandon a session. Uh, Democrats, Joe Biden, uh, for Joe Biden's election victory. Uh, the defi uh, defiant Trump insisted that everybody thought his speech was totally appropriate. Trump dubbed his likely impeachment a con continuation of the greatest witch hunt in American history, uh, in the history of politics. He warned that. While you have always to avoid violence, his supporters are furious. I've never seen such anger, he said. I don't know if he characterizes that correctly. I'm not, I'm sad, depressed a little bit, but certainly not angry. Uh, you know, I'm not feeling hostile about it. I don't think too many others are either. Democrats are uh, <laughs> just pulling the same old Democratic uh, nonsense. Democrats are all but sure to pass impeachment in the House. It seems unlikely the president, the Republican-controlled Senate would be called into an emergency session because they're supposed to return by, I think it's January the 19th. Anyhow, as you can imagine, uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, Republicans are doing their political calculus and deciding whether they're going to support Trump or not. Uh, I'm sure, like McCarthy, I think he's pretty much put his finger in the wind and said, oops, I better uh, abandon Trump because it's not good for me politically to, to continue to support him. I think that's going on with McConnell and a lot of others. It's uh, pretty sad, actually. Uh, but <clears throat> irrespective, uh, that then there's Cruz and others that are continuing to support him. But they're getting uh, saying we should put you on the no-fly list. All kinds of things going on. It's just amazing. Very sad, actually. Trump said uh, the move is really a terrible thing that they're doing. To continue on this path, I think, is causing tremendous danger to our country. And it's causing tremendous anger, he said. He also accepted no blame for the Capitol attack and said, I want no violence. So Joe Biden has announced America United as his inauguration theme. I'm not kidding. He really, he's really doing that. President-elect Joe Biden's theme for his inauguration will be America United, his transition team announced. At a time of unprecedented crisis and deep divisions, America United reflects the beginning of a new national journey that restores the soul of America, brings, <laughs> I'm not kidding, he's really, they really said this, brings the country together and creates a path to brighter future. Uh, in addition to the theme, the transition also announced two Inauguration Day events. In his first act as president, he'll lay a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. He'll be joined by First Lady Dr. Jill Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and her husband, Doug Emhoff, as well as former presidents Barack Obama, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton. You know what? We're just not buying it. That's total nonsense. And by the way, uh, President Donald Trump on Tuesday visited the southern 
city of Alamo, Texas, near the U.S.-Mexico border, and during a press conference this afternoon highlighted his administration's accomplishments on curbing illegal immigration over the past four years. The 45th president has made border enforcement and legal immigration procedures a priority during his time in the White House. Millions of Americans from all walks of life elected him in November 2016, due in part to his fervent promise to build the wall or work long and hard to get it done. It's one of the largest infrastructure projects in the history of the country, he said. He also praised the Border Patrol officials who have secured the U.S.-Mexico border. We can't let the next administration even think of taking it down, he said. President Trump, uh, free speech is under assault like never before. The 25th Amendment is the zero risk for me, but we will come back to haunt Joe, it'll come back to haunt Joe Biden and the Biden administration. As the expression goes, be careful what you wish for, Trump also talked during the very uh, tender time about how free speech is currently under assault in this country, and it certainly is. He brought up the topic of violence last week at the U.S. Capitol, saying that he believes the rule of law, not the violence, it believes in the rule of law, not in violence or rioting. Now is our time to heal the nation. We want a nation of law and order, Trump also said. Uh, it's just an unbelievable time, actually. I can't, you know, it, when the, we're seeing the suppression of free speech and what's going on, you know, this, it's just doubling down on, uh, again, on Biden's America United as his theme. He's not uniting us. All the things that are going on right now are dividing us. They're trying to cancel Trump, and they're trying to cancel Trump's uh, followers. It won't work. The segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. By the way, hearing that St. Matthew's House commercial reminds me of Lulabee's Diner. They do just such great support 
or St. Matthew's House. They also serve great breakfast and lunch right there in the, in the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center. So I hope you'll visit them for a great breakfast or lunch. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa. He is an author. His uh, book is Josephus of Oz. Not on topic for today's discussion, but a terrific read, Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Andy. Well, uh, it's been just an incredible week, and uh, just uh, want to ask you just to get your thoughts uh, on everything that's transpired and uh, what's happening. Well, it's it's difficult. Uh, it's hard to get a focus on it. it Reminds me a lot of, uh, if we're familiar with the, the Cloward-Piven uh, process to create uh, chaos in the society and uh, harvest that chaos and then blame the, uh, blame the opposition for the problem. That's the, the Cloward-Piven uh, strategy came out of the, the mid-60s, but I think we're seeing that, that being operative right now, the mm -hmm. overloading of the system with chaos. Um, uh, I'd like to start out with just a... a, a paraphrasing of a quotation from uh, Frederick Nietzsche, where, where uh, essentially uh, I'm going to paraphrase it to say, one does not become converted to Democrat progressivism, one becomes sick enough for it. Now, I know that sounds rather extreme, but I think we're looking at what uh, I, I would only describe at this point, Bob, as a, uh, as a serious um, illness in our culture, in our body politic, Yep. Um, and it's it's hard to imagine at this point, and because I can't imagine it doesn't mean it's not possible, it, it's hard to imagine that uh, we can escape from this. Uh, if we look at the, uh, the forces that have uh, combined to suppress free speech, uh, the certainly the big tech companies, but it's far beyond just the big tech companies. We have uh, certainly some of the banks severing relationships with uh, with uh, with President Trump, we can see the uh, the withdrawal of financial support uh, that that's taking place. Uh, we can see the labeling of all of the Trump supporters as being labeled as domestic terrorists, yeah. uh, and all of this is not receiving any significant pushback from any any significant part of the Republican process. Uh, you and I have uh, we've agreed for the most part over the past five years that. Perhaps our only disagreement was uh, my degree of pessimism versus your optimism. And I, at this point, Bob, I'm, I'm going to say that my pessimism was understated. I, uh, I did not build into my pessimism the, the lack of Republican uh, rigor in, in, in pushing back against what we're seeing right now. So yeah. just as an opening statement, that's, uh, that's what, I, uh, what I feel is going on. We have a, a cultural political illness. It, it affects half of the American body politic, uh, and it's a contamination so uh, so um, ingrained at this point. It, it is hard to imagine it being cured. Let just sort of provoke well, a quotation uh, from Machiavelli. Uh, Machiavelli essentially said that with with all illness, if you identify it quickly, you can cure it. But once you let that illness become set in place that illness becomes almost impossible to remove. And I think that's what we're looking at here, Bob, is an illness that is so deeply ingrained that it, it may be impossible to remove. Well, that said, uh, my point of optimism would be this, is, uh, you know, they're trying to cancel Trump. They're trying to cancel Trump supporters. They're trying to cancel, uh, cancel those who supported Trump in Congress. Uh, and uh, which is just amazing to me. And I, I, I come back to this. What are they afraid of? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's that's a very valid question. I think that's a question that that must be asked and answered. Uh, if we were to take that question and apply it to the uh, to the election of November 3rd, uh, I think the question legitimately can be asked. Why are they so terrified? of having this vote scrutinized. Right. Uh, if, if it was a legal vote and uh, they had confidence in that legality, it would seem they'd be open to uh, just opening the books to, to uh, total scrutiny so they could prove the absolute legality of that vote, but they don't do that. And there's only one reason in my estimation, and that's because they understand the absolute illegality of that vote, Bob. Well, you know, in my estimation, you can recall a couple of moments of... Uh a cogent thought on the part of uh, Joe Biden when he said, you know what, we have, and I, I'm not kidding, he really said this, he said, we have the greatest uh, uh, voter fraud program ever developed in the in history. Something to those of us, something to those words, I think that catches the meaning, if not the exact words. 
And then he also said, you know, I don't need your support right now. I'm not kidding. He said this. I don't need your support right now. I need your support after the election. He's well, sure. There was an absolute confidence in the outcome of the November 3rd election that preceded that election without any any justification. Uh, and I think you pointed out the the comment that perhaps was a slip of the lip of Biden, where he, he said they have the, the most uh, significant voter fraud machine in, uh, in in history. Right. So, you know, whether or not that was a slip of the lip or he indicated something other than that, uh, certainly that was true, it, it, regardless of whether or not it was uh, said intentionally by Biden or not. Yeah. Uh, as we looked at the, this thing unfold, it, it seemed like everything was in place. Uh, and I'm going to shift to the, the, the events of January 6th. And if I was to find most of the responsibility for that act, and I don't even include President Trump within that responsibility package to the to any degree whatsoever. And we'll talk about that in a second. But if I was to say who was most responsible for the for the pressures and tensions of that of that event, uh, and I would say it was the American judiciary, their failure uh, to uh, allow an inspection, a true inspection of the content of the voter fraud, I, I think generated a frustration and a tension that uh, perhaps uh, exploded on January 6th. Having said that, I, I am still not convinced that the event at the Capitol building uh, was anything other than a, uh, a false flag, a red herring uh, set up by the Democrats. There is every reason to believe that uh, all of those violent protesters were already situated at the Capitol building yeah. even before the president began his extended presentation uh, to the three or four hundred thousand people that were in front of him. Yeah. So I'm not convinced that this was a, uh, a true attempt, even of the most radical Trump supporters. Uh, I, I think that this investigation has to go on. There's every reason to believe that the Capitol Police allowed in these protesters, and many of them just walked between the ropes inside the rotunda. They uh, they were not there to uh, to riot. They were there in awe of the uh, the interior of the rotunda. Certainly, there were some there that were hell bent on violence. Uh, as to whether or not those were Trump supporters uh, or not, um, that waits to be seen, and I'm not sure even with an FBI investigation, whether we will actually uh, have that uh, final analysis of actually who did the violence yeah. and, and as to why Babbitt was shot in the, uh, in the process, a perfectly uh, harmless person at that moment. She certainly was swept up in it, but uh, was not a, a threat to anyone, uh, and she was shot to death in the, in the Capitol building. Uh, so, you know, uh, Andy, to, uh, you know, yeah, my, my thought is that, uh, first of all, I agree with you, uh, but, I, you know, I'm not concluding this, but I just hypothesize that, that this was a setup to create the uh, imagery or create the, the thought around uh, the president uh, being an insurrectionist. Of course, the, the timeline doesn't fit and there's a lot of proof. But, you know, we, we rush to judgment. And I'm not saying we necessarily the, the right. I'm talking about, for example, the Democrat Party. It's almost like a lynch mob. It's, uh, and we've seen that with uh, the, the guy who in, in uh, Atlanta. We saw that with uh, the guy in, uh, in, in uh, Minneapolis. You know, um, immediately people are drawing conclusions and starting to act on it as opposed to allow the wheels of justice to want, grind through the process. You know, and that's what we need right now. There is a, a facial imagery and so forth. There's all kinds of things that, at work right now, and we just need to let the wheels of justice grind away and uh, find out what really happened. But there's no way that pres the president instigated <laughs> instigated an insurrection, and uh, now he's going to be tried. Well, and again, go for the whole notion of being an insurrectionist in uh, in uh, the house. I have listened to the president's presentation uh, on January 6th multiple times. Uh, there was absolutely nothing within what, what he said or uh, even might have uh, unintentionally said uh, that would have provoked this. He asked the, the people there certainly to go to the Capitol building. And, and by the way, everything that happened on that day was well within the norms of, of, of American precedent. Right. Uh, certainly a rally was 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 uh, was in that in that category uh, moving towards the uh, exterior of where a legislative process was taking place to bring some sort of pressure on those legislatures le legislators as they were deciding what they were deciding on that day. All of these things were perfectly within uh, the norm of American uh, politics. 
uh, Trump's comment, go there peacefully and as patriots uh, and, and have your voices, your voices be heard. There's absolutely nothing that is uh, outside of that. If we look back, on the other hand, to the way the Democrats, the Democrat violent operatives, occupied the Hart office building during the Kavanaugh hearings, and that was widely applauded yeah. uh, by the Democrat press. Yeah. Uh, of course, that's a redundancy to say the Democrat press. It's all one thing. Right. Uh, you use the phrase rush to judgment. Uh, that suggests a perhaps a, a somewhat normal human a psychological process. I think this was all a, a preconceived, predetermined process. I think they uh, they probably already had their words written in terms of exactly how they would describe the events in the uh, in the Capitol building and the rotunda on that day. Yeah. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, this was a contrived event. Uh, I've given up on believing on in coincidence in the American uh, political process. You see something unfold and it, it smells bad. I think it is bad. No, yeah, no question. It's just so sad right now to see some of the people in the House of the Senate doing the political calculus and trying to determine what's best for their po political future. Uh, people like McCarthy and uh, you, know, you can go right through the list, but irrespective. I think basically they're saying, you know, should I support Trump or should I just uh, jump on the bandwagon and make sure I can survive this process politically? It's very sad to see. But irrespective, I think people are going to, I think the uh, supporters of Trump will survive this process. And uh, let's, let's get to this whole notion of the big tech suppressing of free speech. This is extremely scary on one hand. On the other hand, when I'm watching everything that, that's going on, I, I, it makes me smile a little bit. I say, what are they afraid of? <laughs> you know, they're not going to suppress free speech. They're not going to, you know, we'll, we'll turn to, to different alternatives for uh, our, uh, our exchange of ideas with President Donald Trump and others who support, uh, the, I'm going to call it law and order. What are your thoughts? Well, I'd like to believe, of course, once again, I'd like to believe you're right, Bob. I, I, I see if. I see with the suppression of parlor that uh, that uh, that that's one significant uh, not conservative uh, channel, but uh, a channel that was uh, free and open to all all ideas and all all opinions. Right. Uh, parlor is is essentially now gone. Uh, if we look at the uh, the collective group, the co collaborative uh, conspiratorial, if I might, group of high tech people, they are dedicated to the suppression of any speech that in any way supports the president. Uh, so we're, we're looking at a coordinated process, obviously well-organized. Uh, this sort of an aside to this, to Twitter recently lamented the Ugandan suppression yeah, of, of, of free speech during their national elections, which is, which is quite amazing because actually Twitter was lamenting exactly what they were doing in America at the same moment in time. Uh, so I think that uh, we're looking at, at big tech. It sort of uh, brings back a, an essay I had, I had written about a year and a half ago called A Nation of Idiot Savants. And in that article, I primarily said that the, the leaders of the, the big tech world are somewhat like squirrels. You watch them run through a maze, Bob, and they're very brilliant at going through the maze, but their brains are so totally dedicated to that one phenomenon that they really have no space left for any other awareness, even self-awareness. And when we're looking at the big tech circumstance, uh, I think we're looking at people that have absolutely no wisdom or self-awareness, and they're extremely, extremely dangerous. And much of their themes have been picked up by, uh, by others, those that are, are in the cancel culture. Uh, I published a, an essay the other day where I talked about some hypothetical extensions of the cancel culture, and I, I didn't offer them as things that I thought were going to happen, but I thought they were things that could happen. For example, uh, colleges uh, refusing to validate degrees that were previously awarded, medical schools and law schools refusing to, uh, to validate the credentials of lawyers and doctors. Now, these things sound extreme and radical, but as I indicated in that essay, Bob, they are no more extreme and radical than everything we're seeing at this exact moment. Uh, so I think that to project into the future as to the destination of, of, of this cancel culture, I think it's impossible to conceive of. The most ludicrous thing is possible within the model we're seeing right now, especially with the lack, absolute lack of significant Republican pushback. And get, getting back to your, your question on Trump, Trump remains the significant most, uh, the most profound barrier 
uh, to their schemes. And then they know this. They know if Trump remains strong, if Trump remains as a uh, as a significant uh, uh, formulator of the future of the Republican Party, they know they are in jeopardy. Trump must be destroyed and his followers along with him if they are going to have surety of success. Uh, last night, I heard the head of Newsmax talking about the Democrats over the next two years will be moderate so they can go into 2022 with a, a chance of, of holding the House and increasing their, their lead in the Senate. I totally disagree with that. Me too. They have two years right now, Bob, 21 and 22, uh, to get done what they have to get done, and they will do everything they can to uh, accomplish all of their purpose in the next two years. Anyway, well, they certainly have a slim uh, majority in both houses right now. And you hear uh, Manchin from West Virginia, for example, saying there's no way that I'll support packing the court and some of the other things. So, uh, you know, there is hope because I, even in the Democrat Party, I believe there are some people of character who are going to stand up against this nonsense. Uh, and we'll see. It's, we'll see how it plays. Of course, we have uh, uh, rhinos. And folks that on the other side as well, I worry about uh, Romney, for example, in, from Utah, uh, and and how he may react to the, this uh, aggressive, uh, progressive, leftist agenda. Andy, we have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? I'm going to be here. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. Right now we're visiting and continuing the conversation with Professor Andrew Joppa. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Bob. You know, Andy, what concerns me is the direction of, uh, I think, as many people disagree with me, but I think President Trump's foreign policy was just absolutely outstanding. It's America first, and where our uh, interests coincide, uh, we're going to, uh, you know, work with you. And when they don't, we won't. So now, I mean, we have, we have the specter that he, how he responded to the uh, Chinese party, the Communist Chinese party, I think was very appropriate. 
I'm really concerned about what's going to happen with the Biden administration. Well, I think there's very little doubt as to the uh, pressures that are coming in from the CCP. If we uh, look even yesterday with uh, Barbara Boxer having been listed as a foreign agent for a Chinese surveillance firm, I, I think that puts somewhat of an exclamation point. We have the Dianne Feinstein circumstance where for 20 years she had a Chinese spy serving serving in her in her, uh, in her um, workforce right. uh, and if we look at Swalwell of course with his uh, circumstance hooking up with a, uh, a a Chinese spy uh, all of that is just an indication that, that a, a superficial indication of something that has much greater depth if we look at the Wall Street linkages to the uh, financial aspect of the investments of China and the monies that have flowed from Wall Street into China and back into Wall Street and then into the Democrat Party for campaign funds, uh, I think we're looking at an insidious process that uh, is going to undermine and is already undermining uh, the American future. I, I do not see how uh, this can be escaped from. If we look at the Chinese influence in America, it's not only in the, in the absolute political ranks, as I've indicated, but they are financially supporting many newspapers in this country. Uh, it is a well-documented fact that their, their foreign student attendees in many of our colleges is the necessary um, uh, profit margin for these schools to maintain their existence. So we're looking at influence in the media, in academia, in the, the halls of the very halls of Congress. And, and there's just it's impossible to see this disappearing because I think they, if I might, the CCP just has too much on these people already uh, for them to escape from their, from their grip. So if we look as the future unfolds, I think we're going to see a, a Chinese. It will not be glaring in terms of what we'll see in the headlines, of course, because that's just not going to happen. But when we see the actions taken by Biden, I think we're going to see a reversal of the uh, of the uh, I think the remarkably uh, accurate trade policies of of Trump as they uh, were placed against China. Uh, and I think we're going to see all of that disappearing. I think we're going to get back into a significant level of theft of intellectual property. Uh, and the future, based on that one factor alone, the, the influence of the CCP in America, that one factor alone, and it's not the only factor, obviously, mm -hmm. that one factor alone could cause the uh, total destruction of the norms of this, this American system, Bob. And, and here's the sad fact of the fact that when we open up more trade and a more friendly relationship with China, it's actually going to be good for financial markets. So there will seem to be a, you know, a sense of calm and, and everything is going to work out financially for folks. But you know what? Uh, in the long run, it's going to be devastating to uh, the the interests of uh, American citizens because they they have an interest in taking over the world. A global reset, that's the process, and we see the uh, majority of our uh, political elite uh, supporting that notion. Well, I think that, that comment in general is true, is that uh, this, is, this is going to happen. Um, I believe it's, it's been happening for an extended period of time, uh, and I don't think there's any real way of getting in the, in the way of it because there's no opposition, Bob. There's no there's no significant voices. And let, let me get back, uh, sort of changing topics. You, but before you before you do though, Andy, let, let me suggest the, the one thing that is really amazing. I want to just point out that Swalwell was being supported and infiltrated when he was running as a city council member. We're talking, you know, can you imagine if if they're working with Swalwell when he's running for city council before he even got involved with Congress? How many other uh, how many other politicians have been you know uh, compromised in in the process that we don't even know about? Bob, if I can judge by what I've read, and that's I, I'm very careful with uh, accepting uh, blindly what I'm reading, but yeah. uh, this seems to have some legs to it. Uh, the Chinese apparently have dossiers on every American political figure, not just of of substance. But going down to the local levels, district attorneys and, and councilmen at the local level, yeah. um, the people who are running colleges, they maintain these active dossiers on almost every active uh, person of influence in the American system. So oh. uh, this is not some casual process that the Chinese are involved with. This is a, a deep immersion that Chinese has made into our system yeah. to try to control, first understand, then control those in a decision-making capacity, Bob. No, I so genuinely appreciate your your comments on that. Now, I interrupted your, your changing of focus there in your conversation. 
I, I'm not sure ex exactly where <laughs> I was going, but I, I did want to return to this this speech issue for a second. I yeah. uh, I don't know if I gave it enough weight in in our discussion, Bob. But certainly, free speech is the is the major element right. of a of a healthy of a healthy republic. Uh, that is, I, I think, under challenge right now. Uh, just for your for your listeners, I think we have to differentiate between legal free speech, the concept of free speech as it's often used, which is the inability of Congress uh, to make any laws suppressing speech. I think even that part of it is certainly uh, in question if we get to the area of hate speech. And I've long said as a constitutionalist that hate speech laws are absolutely unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet the government has invested in creating hate speech laws. Uh, we also now have that, as we talked about before, that's extended now to, uh, to certainly big tech and beyond that into, uh, into corporations themselves. So I don't think there's anything more threatening and damaging to a society than the suppression of speech. Uh, if we get back to uh, one of your earlier points about the, uh, the members of Congress with some other leftists, well, Democrats, let's call them, uh, will stand up for the, for the right cause. I, I, I don't see their, their ability to withstand the pressures they're going to be going through if they try to move away from the party line. It's the amount of pressure that the left is, is, is generating, uh, not only against Republicans, but against their own internal forces. Uh, I just, you know, and I hate to be this pessimistic, I do not see them um, uh, moving in those directions because of the pressures that will be put on them, their families, and their futures. No, no, there's no question that pressure exists. And it's not necessarily political pressure, too. We're talking about people uh, being threatened, their families, and so forth. We've seen that on the left uh, a lot, uh, especially, uh, for example, when things go to trial or uh, when, when people are trying to get uh, some sort of justice with regard to the election process. You may recall so many people were threatened. But I saw our own Byron Donalds, newly elected to Congress, he was on Fox and Friends the other morning, and it was it pleased me so much to hear his fresh voice in the face of all that's going on. I have to believe that people like Byron are actually up there in Washington, D.C., and they will make a difference. I don't think it's going to be easy for the left. I, I hope you're right, as always. I, I hope you're right. I, uh, I am so proud of Byron and the way he's handling himself. I, I had written Byron an email the other day, uh, you know, uh, thanking him and congratulating him on his on his strength and his uh, his his willingness to uh, to do the right thing and yeah. uh, he wrote back and uh, it, it, he was generally appreciative of this and i think for your audience that uh, politicians that are worth their salt appreciate this kind of feedback from their constituents and yep. uh, so if if you have uh, if you have something to do if, if people are looking for something to do support those politicians that yeah. are that are uh, carrying the load for us there aren't many of them bob so this is not a difficult thing to do to support all of them well, but i think byron donalds is uh, is coming up big and i think uh, he's a man of of strength and he's a man of integrity and i think he will if there is one glimmer of hope that i could say exists it may exist not entirely on byron donalds but certainly people like byron donalds now you make that such an important point you know it's it must be up there when you're facing the forces uh, of uh, what's going on in congress right now i think uh people like byron need support and uh, i would just suggest to our listeners that if you're you're feeling that and uh at, just to, if you know Byron, you know that he's a good man. He's extremely knowledgeable, extremely well-spoken. Uh, yeah, send him an email. I'll make sure that he knows that you're supporting what he's doing because he walked into a hornet's nest <laughs> when he was uh, confirmed as a member of Congress. As a, as a politician, sometimes you're looking for something like this, and I don't want to uh, dismiss the, the, the importance or the the. the intrusions all these things are making but if you're a byron donalds and you're a constitutionalist and you know the constitution as well as the back of your hand this is a moment for you this is a moment where a, a man with byron's background his yeah. knowledge of the constitution and his integrity this is where he can really make his mark and i uh, i'm optimistic he will do that um and i hope there's there's others that will join in the uh, the freedom force i i hope it it generates the the pressure that I think it, it will, and if there is a source of optimism, it will come from this group of, of young conservative Republicans, constitutionalists in the Congress that will provide a counterbalance to all the nonsense, the insanity that, that's going on. 
Uh, if anything else, Byron Donalds is imminently in, is imminently sane. Bob, this yeah. is a rational being, and uh, I really I really admire Byron. Perhaps even more so than I have in the past. Yeah. Watching him under the pressure, he's he's been exposed to. Uh, so well said. Uh, a final note, though, Joe Biden has announced that his uh, inauguration theme is going to be America United. I, I'm not making that up. But, you know, he, he, he's really saying that at the same time that he's supporting. I guess he hasn't come out and supported uh, the uh, what's happening in Washington D.C. today. But uh, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I just find it amazing. You know, certainly that is what Biden Biden said that he's going to be the great the great unifier, and yet every every one of his actions, either by commission or omission, uh, has done nothing nothing but but divide us. Uh, he, I think Biden did say he's a, against impeachment, although President Trump is not fit for office. I mean, so that that's sort of a, a backhanded position yeah, to yeah. take in terms of President Trump. Uh, President Trump, if, if we're going to be wrapping this up now, President Trump has been certainly the greatest president, uh, I'm going to say, in my lifetime. And I believe uh, perhaps the greatest president in American history. Uh, I think that America will validate itself. Uh, once it, it becomes capable of accepting that, if it doesn't understand the greatness of, of Donald Trump, then it can never truly appreciate the, the greatness of America. And getting back to uh, the, the issue of America first, for anyone to reject that in a major political role, somehow to push back against an America first position. America first position does not uh, uh, mean that you are going to actively work against anyone no, else at doesn't. the international level. It merely means that every decision taken at the international level must, must include the benefit to America first. And um, beyond that, if you can have everybody win, that's great too. Yeah. Uh, so to resist that is absolutely uh, ridiculous. Bro. Yeah. Well, we'll end on this note. President uh, Trump's uh, uh, popularity uh, is uh, as high as it's ever been. It's actually gone up since this whole debacle's gone on. So uh, this, according to Rasmussen, of course. So uh, people aren't buying it, and we're, we'll see how this all turns out. But I really appreciate your commentary uh, here on the show, Andy. Again, Andy's book is uh, Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. And and once again, I'm rooting for Bob Harden to be right, not Andy Job. <laughs> thank you, Andy. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobhardnethotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here in the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell. As I mentioned, he's an endowed professor at the University of Houston, also also the author of several books. His latest is terrific. It's called How Everything Happened, Including Us, starts 13 billion years ago and comes up to present day. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's always a pleasure. Well, Professor, uh, you also write your column for uh, Newsmax.com. Uh, you'll find his column, uh, if you just go to Newsmax.com, you'll find Larry's columns. His latest is on impeachment, certainly a timely topic. What are your thoughts, Professor? Well, it's, it seems very counterproductive for one thing. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking Obama out, or taking a uh, president out of the White House and putting him in stock and in the city square and, you know, humiliating him and the country and the people who voted for him. So I don't really see anything good coming out of it. Uh, you kind of wonder what the motives are, whether it's just vindictive uh, and uh, kind of gotcha politics or whether it's some perhaps ill-conceived attempt to think that we can, uh, or rather they can uh, make him uh, unelectable in mm-hmm. Uh, 2024. Uh, it's really hard to know what the what the motives are, but uh, it, it's really it's really unfortunate, and uh, everybody I think is wondering how it's going to play forward as we now look towards 2020 midterms and 2022 midterms and the uh, of course the 2024 elections and. And really, that will determine where the country goes. Yeah, it is unfortunate. The, the one thought that I have, Professor, is you see this happening. On one hand, you hear uh, the uh, uh, Biden, President-elect Biden, says that he, he wants to, the theme of the, of the uh, inauguration is going to be America united. And on the other hand, you see this impeachment process going on. And you see uh, the attempt to cancel uh, the presidency of President Donald Trump, as well as his follow- followers, is deplorables, I'll sp- <laughs> which I consider myself one of those deplorables. Uh, you know, my question is, what are they afraid of? Well, I think you know we, we can wonder. I think that the big uh, black shadow in the room is really the uh, we see what, what's happening with the big tech media. You know, and uh, it's, it's terrifying when you think of you know these these three to five com- companies that. Uh, are so enormously large, and they have market caps totaling over a trillion dollars, and tremendous political, con, you know, uh, influence, and and they give you know, at least seventy five percent to Democrats versus you know fifteen percent for Republicans in the last last election. So there's no no question about where their you know interests and loyalties lie. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're globalists. They're businesses with uh, every country, and they control information in virtually every country. And and their business is much of it's with China. Uh, and so, I think uh, that's rather terrifying when we see how absolutely much power, money, and influence rests with a few just a few individuals in uh, Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the rest, you know, the rest of these uh, of us deplorables, and I'm certainly a lot of people would agree I'm one of them. Uh, wondering, well, scratching our head, well, where do we go now? Uh, what can we do? Um, you know, is is there going to be any rollback or, of that tremendous power, centralized power that's that's that's. Um, it tends to be very Marxist. It tends to be, you know, yeah. very socialist. Uh, it's yeah. clear in terms of their advocating minimum basic income and other other programs. So, I think we've got a lot of very confused individuals on our side, and and confusion breeds fear, and I uh, fear can breed problems. And uh, I think we're all uh, really wondering how does this affect us? How does it affect our children? 
Yeah. How's the effective future? What's the pathway out of this? Absolutely. Well, and it, what's really discouraging, of course, is Parler was uh, canceled by uh, by Twitter and by uh, Facebook. And then AWS, uh, Amazon uh, uh, Web Services, who is the... It took them down, and they you can't even get on Parler anymore. Now there is Cloud Hub, that, that which is a, a communication uh, organization, a platform, social media platform. Uh, there's also uh, uh, Gab, and there those are. But you know what? If in fact they become a threat, they can be taken down too. It's very it's very scary. Well, the infrastructure that it takes to to build a major platform is just. Unbelievably large, you know. It's something that uh, it would just be very daunting for any company. And then when you when you have all these companies that all obviously collaborate and coordinated because they all came, you know, came after uh, Parler within a few hours of each other, and mm-hmm. it was a coordinated attack. And they went after their potential uh, alternate platforms that they could use to host them. And and uh, it was uh, it's bad enough when you have one gargantuan company that's you know that has all this power, but when you have all of them working together against uh, you know they're they're you know, these are companies that have Apple's over three hundred fifty billion dollar market cap, and Microsoft has about three hundred twenty seven billion, and Google has three hundred twenty four billion, and you and you're looking at a company that has less than one billion, but was growing very rapidly, and it. It, it seemed like uh, it was kind of surprising to me that they would be that aggressive at a time when people are wondering uh, about their ability, you know, their, their monopolistic uh, nature and their and, and the fact that people are suggesting that antitrust actions be taken to, yeah. to break them up and that Section uh, the Rule 230 be rolled back that gives them uh, immunity from lawsuits and so on. and. So it's a very brazen thing to do at this time, and I think it was again when you take the president of the United States off of the internet, uh, you're saying, or off of the social internet, you're basically saying, "Look, look at us. We can do anything we want. Yeah. Imagine what we can do to you." And and uh, that's that's pretty frightening. Frightening indeed, Professor. Uh, and uh, you know, I just I. I, I... Uh, you know, we can see other companies developing developing a platform, as you said, is just uh, just extremely difficult. The solace that I one solace is that we saw that uh, Twitter dropped twelve percent in market value because of the market cap, because of the uh, uh, many people that will be leaving Twitter. So, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that the competitive market, the open marketplace, will in fact humble. Uh, these sites because you know when they do what they're doing, they lose business. I don't think. Uh, I don't think the uh, Trump supporters are going to lose their resolve. I think that there's we're going to be something like I guess in a way analogous to an underground communication where we see a lot of uh, people sh- you know, sharing their social networks and so on, and and uh, we see small platforms and you know we see Gab and and and, and others uh, that that attempt to uh, you know to to fill in and. Maybe you can grow up, you know, do a ground-up networking of of like-minded or like-interested individuals and organizations and so on. But then you see also websites are probably vulnerable, and you wonder what what shoe is going to fall next. And yeah. Uh, yeah, when so much of our whole our whole American thinking is centered around free speech, and I I have a dear friend, a close friend from Russia, and said like. You know, is terrifying. He said, you know, I went through this with Stalin, uh, you know, and I'm, and they did it exactly the same way. They started with communication and, uh, and, uh, you know, propaganda and, uh, yeah. and fear. And, and he said, you know, I, I got my citizenship here. I thought this was a safe place to be. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, what's going on here? It's just, uh, yeah. a tremendous, uh, fear about, uh, you know what this portends. Yeah, no, I have a friend from Bulgaria who says, I, I came here to give my children the opportunity that America affords, you know, for everyone. 
He said, I'm considering just going back to Bulgaria. I mean, I've had these conversations with uh, an immigrant from Russia who's just terrified about what's happening. She's seeing exactly what happened in Russia. Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show, and I want to remind our listeners your your book is just terrific. How Everything Happened, Including Us by Larry Bell. Also, check out Newsmax.com and and Larry's uh, uh, commentary there on point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, I always enjoy it. I wish these were better times. I do as well. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for tomorrow's show, so I hope you'll tune in as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>